Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I speak to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more, where we talk about our zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond, biggest challenges in the first three phases of your journey into software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you can think of us as your outsourced CTO, as we've got 20 years of development, entrepreneur, and business experience to help keep your project from ending up in the software graveyard. We specialize in software as a service and software startups. Contact us at onestop.io where I can, we can spec out your project today. Today I have Yui Sigurdsson who is joining us today from Iceland. He's the founder and CEO of Crankwheel, a SaaS that does screen sharing for sales teams. We're going to go back down memory lane uh, to talk with Yui about how he handled his journey from zero to 30,000 MRR and beyond, and how he reached his software big break. We'll also touch on how he's seeing boom times during the worldwide lockdown of coronavirus. How are you today, Yui? Hey, Jordy. I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. Good. Okay. Let's start off by uh, a bit about your background, uh, what the problem you're solving with uh, Crankwheel and 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 who is your customer? Sure, absolutely. So uh, so this spring I'll I'll reach my twenty fourth end of my twenty fourth year in uh, the software industry. So that ages me a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, most of my career has has been spent doing startups as like an early early employee, CTO, co-founder, that kind of thing. And and uh, Crankwheel is the first where where I'm the you know I'm I'm the founder. I have a co-founder with me, and uh, where I do everything you know from nuts and bolts and up. Okay. Uh, but before Crankwheel, I actually spent close to ten years at Google. So that's that's a uh, Google in Iceland company uh, experience. No, actually uh, in Canada. Okay. So it was actually three Icelandic guys, including myself, who founded the Google Montreal office. Oh, cool! Back in way back in two thousand four. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. So you have some solid. So I didn't actually catch what. Um, what is the actual problem that you're solving for? I know you, you handle sales teams. What's, what's the actual problem that you're solving? Sure. And, yeah. and then we'll dive into how you came up with uh, um, that problem and solving it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so the problem we try to solve is that, you know, sales and in particular remote sales, um, it, it works. It works for a lot of companies, you know, to, to actually do selling and, and all that. Um, but it's it's a little bit inefficient. You very often have to reach your you know prospects or reach your decision makers multiple times just to book a meeting, and and then once you have the meeting, you know that's when you actually can properly present uh, your solution or your product and and maybe close the sale. Try to move it up a lot further uh, earlier in the sales cycle. So even in the first phone call, you know if you reach a decision maker in the first phone call. And in particular, if you reach a decision maker where they don't necessarily have to confer with others, 
if they're interested, why would you ever hang up the phone, you know, without trying to, to close the sale? And so with Crankwheel, you can screen share in that very first phone call. You don't need to book a meeting, a follow-up or anything like that. Uh, because Crankwheel is designed to be added on to an ongoing screen share and it'll work with the device, whatever device your, your decision maker is using at the time. Even if they're on the run and they just have their mobile phone, you'll still be able to screen share with them within a matter of a few seconds. Okay. So, okay. So just speed up that sales cycle. Okay. That's very interesting. So, um, so who would you say is um, your closest competitor? It sounds like Zoom is not a competitor at all, right? Right. We don't really try to compete with Zoom. I mean, they, they do web conferencing and they do it really, really well. I mean, we're using Zoom right now and uh, it just yeah. almost always works really well. Yeah. Um, but for Zoom, you need to like have everybody download the client and you need to use the computer audio, which, you know, for you and me, we're, we're like tech background guys. And we, right. you know, we have fine. podcasts and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. We know how to do it. Um, but if you're reaching, let's say, uh, a small business owner, let's say Mr. Plumber, you know, um, or, or, or a hairdresser or something like that, they, they may not even have a good microphone attached to their computer. So using the computer audio is not ideal. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we, we don't really compete with Zoom. Um, we've seen that uh, some of our customers, they, they used to use join.me. Uh, okay. Good solution. Like log me uh, in, is that a sort of Yeah, similar? exactly. That, okay. That's uh, actually the same company. Uh, okay. And okay. That's right. Yeah. And so join.me launched in like 2008 and yeah. was really a breakthrough at the time. Uh, you could do web conferencing without uh, having viewers like download anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, these days if, if so many people are on mobile and you know, join.me doesn't work without a download on mobile, whereas Crankwheel does. Ah, uh, okay. So that's, so that's, that's a big differentiator okay. for us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that would probably be the closest competitor in terms okay. of trying to like sell, you know, over the phone, add a screen share to a phone call. That's, that's what we hear people have been using before us. Okay, great. So let's, let's go back. Um, let's go back into the early days. Um, what, uh, may, how did you see this problem? Were you using log me in and something and you were like, this is such a pain or, or how did you come up with the problem? Right. Good question. So, uh, so when I left, uh, Google in 2014. I actually had a completely different startup idea that I was going to work on. Okay. Um, and it was sort of, you know, to bring out uh, something that I'd worked on within Google and bring out sort of a, an external to Google version of it. But then I, I saw somebody had actually done that. I uh, should have done my homework a little bit more. So I connected with an old schoolmate of mine, Gilsey, my, my co-founder in, in Crankwheel. Uh, we'd okay. actually lost touch for about 20 years, but we started brainstorming uh, his background is from sales, so he's he's done about twenty years now of uh, mostly you know telesales and inside sales, selling okay. things like insurance, banking products, uh, okay. telecommunications, and also software. Yeah, and we just started brainstorming. You know what's missing in your industry. You know what's not being done. And my last project at Google had been uh, one part of the overall sort of WebRTC initiative, uh -huh. which is real-time communications in the browser. Yeah. Uh, so I was familiar with, you know, that space, like video conferencing and, and that kind of thing. So can I just interject? Yeah. Are you you're on the sure. development side? You were developing at Google? Yes, I was. Yeah, I was. Okay, so you have like a strong, you're like the strong technical background then. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so in this situation, you're sort of positioning yourself as a CTO founder. 
and and your partner is like the CEO or you know the sales guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We we call him the he he likes the the title chief revenue officer, so that's pretty bad, CRO. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so 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 I had been sort of in that space a little bit with, with video conferencing and and way before that in my career doing uh, like instant messaging and 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 voice over IP and that kind of stuff. So. So, you know, we sort of rediscovered almost every sales enablement tool that's out there. And, and then we figured, okay, that's been done. The question that I thought was going to be obvious, like, what do you use to show people stuff over the, you know, when you're talking to them over the phone, what do you use to show them? And he's like, oh, no, we, we, I don't do that. You know, if, if I'm selling insurance or, or whatever complex product it is, if I'm selling that over the phone, the phone call is just to get them interested. And then I go and see them in person. And I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. You know, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can't believe so, there's no solution okay. for that. Right. Okay. So, so that's really how it started. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. So you see a huge opportunity uh, where you can cut out the, the salesman actually having to physically go and visit with the, with the potential client, especially if you're say in Iceland where mm -hmm. you have some, you know, some, you know, very strong tech, uh, going on there and these guys were going to need to be able to sell out of Iceland because presumably it's a li limited uh, market that you can sell into. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so you, 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 um, so you started off from there. You already had a strong, strong uh, tech background. Um, did you do the coding yourself then or did you have a team? So initial, initial prototype, uh, I, I coded that. Uh, okay. That was like a, a Node.js sort of backend, and and I never really uh, thought we would scale that up. But uh, that was the initial prototype: Node.js backend and a Chrome extension that was doing the the screen capture. Um, and that was what we were sort of showing around. And we started really early to sort of have customer conversations that we framed as a sales pitch, essentially, even though we didn't have a product ready. And yeah. my co-founder Gilsey was really who, you know, he, he really drove us to that. Like we had probably 10 times more conversations than I, I ever would have on my own. He was trying and to get, were, he was out there. Gilsey was out getting customer feedback based yeah. on your idea. Was, yeah. At that time, was he showing the product? He was so showing, okay. Very first meetings, we were just describing stuff idea. and okay. stuff on the whiteboard. Okay. Uh, but pretty soon after that, we had this prototype where you could essentially have exactly one user screen sharing <laughs> okay <laughs> you know um so so we were showing that and we were essentially you know pre-selling and, and getting commitments from okay from did you collect money early. you collected money we, we no we collected a contract a couple of contracts but okay. nobody paid until they actually had the product in hand but okay uh, promised okay so you yeah. there's definitely some risk for, uh, what what kind of uh commitment were you trying to collect it was it was a pretty soft start. We wanted we wanted you know them to put some money on the table or or to promise some money. Yeah. Uh, it was a usage based um, billing model which we still follow, although it's evolved a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so so you know their their risk was small in terms of money, but we always we always asked you know not just for money but for a commitment in terms of yeah. how to and and in terms of rolling it out to a large yeah. team. That was really the bigger commitment was, you know, hey, if you don't use it a lot, you're going to pay us very little. But we do ask that you are ready to roll it out to a team of at least, you know, 20 people or something like that. Okay. You know, that, that was sort of the commitment we looked for. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was the initial prototype. 
very, very rough, uh, based on a bunch of open source libraries and Node.js and, and then this Chrome extension. Um, we then hired a couple of, 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 uh, of guys, Henry and Johan. Uh, they actually both started on the same day, so they were both our first employee. <laughs> okay. And, um, and uh, with them, we worked out the first uh, sort of production-ready version of this. Mm-hmm. We iterated a little bit on the, on the prototype, uh, but then uh, only a few weeks in, we actually switched and we wrote the backend in, in Erlang. Uh, which is okay, like really Erlang. That's interesting. I've been seeing that more and more, but that's because of the the protocol that you need to use for um, RTC, right? Yeah, because I mean, Erlang was developed at at Ericsson in Sweden, and it was sort of yeah. designed to be used for telephone switches. Yes, and you know, when you when you're doing screen sharing, you're essentially connecting two or more points, and it's sort of a soft real time system, uh, okay. transferring the screen sharing data and everything. So Erlang was really really good fit and it's been a fantastic fit in terms of you know scaling and and uh, did you know erlang when you started or did you have to learn no it? no it was actually uh, henry who had been uh, who had been using it for a couple of small projects and and uh, was interested in you know using it for a larger project and yeah. sold me on the fact that it was a, it was a really good fit yeah uh, so i learned learned erlang and uh, later we um when we sort of got to developing our administrative dashboard a little bit uh, further, <laughs> there was yeah. really none, and it's sort of sister language Elixir, which is just a, a more modern uh, variant of Erlang, a little bit more modern syntax, has a better uh, standard library, that kind of thing, and has a really good web framework, which we we use for our admin dashboard and other things called called Phoenix. So, okay, um, we're very heavily invested in that ecosystem. Okay, is it hard to find developers in that because it's kind of a unique skill, isn't it? It's a little bit harder, yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, it it would be there's but a not lot impossible. It's not it's, it's not like a no. limiting factor for your scaling or anything. It's just a, it has it hasn't been no. Yeah. Um, it's it's not the most difficult language to pick up either. It, it it is a functional programming paradigm, so you need to sort of be willing to think in the functional type of way. But uh, especially Elixir, you know, if you have someone with a background in like uh, Ruby on Rails, it, it feels pretty okay. much at home. Okay. Uh, Elixir plus the Phoenix framework is sort of, um, yeah, it feels very familiar with somebody who, with a Ruby on Rails type of background. So, so th- th- there are quite a, there's quite a good possibility to hire. Okay, great. Uh, okay, so, so how, how much would you say your MVP probably cost? And, and you can uh, include your own time if you want, you know, because, you know, there's opportunity costs. You weren't out making money or anything. How much do you think that you spent on your MVP? You know, before we launched it and had uh, paying customers, it was probably... It depends how much I value my own time, so I'll just go with what. Right, let's go. Let's go paid. with and without. How about that? Oh <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I would say in terms of you know actual salaries that we paid and uh, stuff like that, it, it was something like fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Okay, so it's yeah. fairly significant. You 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 know this is a a big risk for you probably right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um and you went in um the companies that gave you the the companies that gave you some form of commitment, how much were they paying? Did you get them to pay like a year up front for like a team of 20 or how much could you actually? No, it was, it was, it was month by month and it wasn't, it wasn't big money in the start at the start for sure. Okay. Um, we really, uh, until the, the, we, we got our first paying customer September 1st, 2015. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be. What are we years. talking about? First paying customer. How much were they paying? 
a tiny amounts, like uh, okay. 100 like $100 a month. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they would have paid more if their usage had significantly picked up, but, but yeah. it, was, it was tiny amounts. Okay. Um, so that was September 2015. Uh, we, we, we went to a, uh, a startup conference called Slush in Finland in, yeah. in that fall in like November. Um, Sorry, can you, can you just mention the year again? Where, when was this? 2015, five okay. years ago. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we went to a conference called Slush in Finland. Uh, we had a, a startup booth there like for one day. And we met a bunch of companies that were interested. And one of them signed up as uh, our first foreign, like outside of Iceland customer yeah. two weeks after that. Uh, that's uh, DTG in, in the Netherlands, now, now called Uvia. It's a Yellow Pages company. Okay, um, and that was that was a, that was a larger deal, but you know, still just like two three hundred dollars a month, so you know, still yeah. small. Yeah. Um, first sort of big break was um, first big break was the spring after that, where where uh, we got sort of a request for proposal from uh, Yell, which is the Yellow Pages in the UK. Okay. Uh, we'd we had a number of you know smaller you know customers join in between, but Yell was a was a big one and st still one of our biggest customers, like an okay. enterprise level deal. Now that's interesting. You it sounds like you got two telcos to sort of um, glom onto this. Is why is that? Is is was there a because it sounds like you could work for anyone, right? Um, yeah, any they, type of sales they, team. They're, they're Yellow Pages companies, which um, is. Uh, you know, yellow pages in the old days, it's, it's all about print and it's all about like advertising for small business. Mm -hmm. Yellow pages uh, now is still all about advertising or promoting small business, Local, but it's no yeah. longer about print. Right. So right. yellow pages companies today are sort of like um, digital marketing agencies that really specialize in solutions for small business. Okay. Yeah, and and the the sales model that we enable it sort of uniquely lends itself to uh, the situation where you're selling to a small business owner, mm -hmm. um, because they are really if if I'm going to mention any example of a decision maker where they're hard to reach, but when you reach them they could make the decision as long uh, as you, you need to hit to, them right then. Know. Oh man, yeah, do we exactly. know that as sales guys yeah. we know that yeah, you got to yeah. hit them right so, there. So. Uh, <laughs> That can yeah. get them back on the phone, you know. <laughs> that that's exactly right. But but they also can make the decision, right? So yeah. So um, we have we have quite a few Yellow Pages customers, and the sort of typical sales model there is, you get them on the phone, and you say something like, "Oh, I noticed um, that your hair salon it doesn't have uh, a homepage or a web presence." Mm -hmm. Okay. And it just so happens I I put something together for you. Okay. You know, um, and you show them a rough sort of draft of a homepage or a Facebook page or some kind of campaign that you want to run for them. Yeah. And then next 15, 20, 30, even 60 minutes are spent on the phone showing them what you've drafted for them using Crankwheel, mm -hmm. you know, just screen sharing to them. And they are giving you feedback and they're actually tweaking the homepage and sort of, you know, designing it with you on yeah. the phone. Okay. And they can and do it you, on the phone. They're like sitting there doing this they, on the phone. They're really just watching the agent most okay. of the, mo oh, most okay. of the time. Okay. I see what you mean. Although okay. we do, uh, we do also have like remote control capabilities in Crankwheel that yeah. actually would let them do that even over, even from their smartphone yeah. without any download or anything. So, so agents can do that, but mostly it's yeah. agents just showing them the homepage that they created, uh, tweaking it for them with based on feedback, you know, that they're yeah. giving them over the phone. And as you can imagine, if you're like a small business owner and you've, you've just spent half an hour 
sort of with an agent sort of creating your perfect homepage, if they then offer you like a reasonable monthly package to launch it and keep it running. Yeah, yeah it's already done. It's yeah, already done. That's yeah, right. It's a great, it's a yeah, fantastic yeah. sales model for that kind of product. Yeah. So, okay, that's great. Um, okay, so so what are we about here now? You, you, your first big break, what do you think um, that happened? When did you start feeling like, okay, uh, we might be out of the woods? You know, we're still, we're still in startup mode, but like, you know, what? where was that at? So, I mean, initially it was when we, when we got Yell as a customer, uh, the spring of 2016. Okay. Uh, but, you know, we, we were definitely burning a lot of money still. And, and for another couple of years after that, we were, we were still burning. And how did money. you, how did you handle the, 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 uh, the burn, the burn rate? Was that sort of so, a little bit of outside money? Cause I, I think I remember you were saying you were mostly bootstrapped, right? Yeah. We, we, we haven't taken any external investment. Um, okay. so it's, there's, there's investment from myself and from my co-founder and there is also, uh, a, a technology and research grant that we received from, uh, part of the Icelandic government. Okay. Called the technology and research development fund. Okay. And how does um, that work? Is that sort of like, how do you pay that back? You pay that back? It's um, no, it's a, it's a, it's a grant. Uh, uh okay. I yeah, see a grant. Yeah, okay. So, so it's a it's a grant where they can cover up to fifty percent of the okay. cost of a of a research and or development type of project. And sort of um, to encourage an entrepreneurship in in exactly. Iceland, right? Yeah. Rather than yeah. you re, you know relocating somewhere else. Exactly. Okay, exactly. got it. But okay. you do have to like you do have to cover those other fifty percent. Yeah, the cost, of course, right? So right. It can never be more than fifty percent of the cost. So okay. So you do things like you put in some of your own money. Um, you you put in your own time and you have to like calculate salaries but and you pay the taxes and everything but you yeah. you yourself don't actually get your salaries okay <laughs> you know that that kind of thing and then you yeah. pay them back later when you when you're able okay um, so uh, there's that kind of stuff so we are bootstrapped although yes we did get some, some uh, really helpful funding in the form of, of government grants but no that's good. Well, I think it's really smart for for you to take advantage of that, and also for any of our listeners to think about that. Um, I know there's countries like Chile and Portugal that have some grants that are similar, you know, and, and maybe even in your home country. Um, uh, so, okay, so what what sort of what what would you say that you were at that level where you started to feel like when when Bell signed on? What were you at? Is that like four thousand MRR, or where, where were you at then? Yeah, we were we were at once once Yale had signed up, and with the other customers we got, we were at somewhere close to six thousand dollars MRR, something like that. Five, okay. five or six thousand. Okay, yeah. and so and tell and, me about uh, the next phase. Uh, we're moving on to phase two, which because I, I I know a lot of SaaS um, starters they get to that level and then they just sort of stay right then. So what was your what was your sort of next big break? Honestly, there was a really long and hard phase after that. Yeah, honest, there you go. Honest, so it's you that know. phase yeah. one where you get sort of yeah. stuck right at that five thousand yeah. level, and then it's sort of popping that to get yeah. it up to sort of the fifteen, so, I guess. Exactly. So, so there was we we did get we found one other fairly large com- customer uh, the fall of two thousand sixteen. That's uh, Info Group in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They have brands like Sales Genie and Info USA. They're still a customer, uh, just like most of our early customers are. Um, so that was, you know, a fairly big deal as well. Uh, after that, there was just a really long, hard trek. And, you know, we were still burning money. Um, 
but you know, slowly, slowly getting closer to uh, to break even. But we didn't reach break even until early 2018. Early 2000. What was break even, if you don't mind me asking? Um, that's a good question. Um, don't remember exactly, but I can I can look it up. Because you at this point you still have you have um, Gilsey and Henry and and the other the other fellow's name, the other engineer's name, yeah. um, and it's just the four of you at that point. And Gilsey was doing all the sales, and you guys were cranking out the. Um, so we actually had uh, we, the team had changed a bit over time. So we still had Johan who had been there from the start, and we yeah. had uh, Herder who was a, another engineer and okay. user experience designer. And we made the painful decision actually in early 2018 that, you know, we were running out of the investment that we had been able to put in. Yeah. And, and we, we had to let those two guys go. So, uh, so we actually, th that was part of the really painful, like long trek of, you know, actually getting to profitability and, and now to, you know, about 36,000 MRR. Yeah. Uh, was that we had to, you know, th there was a time there in 2018 where it was, you know, even even my co-founder Gilsey, he was you know spending part of his time working on something else just because he he needed, he needed to uh, make ends meet, yeah. make some make some money. You know, yeah. Um, but that uh, that period was you know less less than a year until he was working uh, again on mostly okay. on Crankwheel with me. Okay. Um, so that was really tough. Uh, you know, those two guys were great, and I uh, wish we could have you know kept them on board, and I really wish we still had them today for sure yeah um, it, it would it would be great but uh but at this point we've we've built the company up again you know um so, so you let some... those you let those guys go let's 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 say it's let's call it's probably right around twelve thousand that your break even um your break even is if you have that that size team um what yep. was the, what was the next sort of um you know talk, talk me through break even to to where you're at now i mean obviously you've been seeing some uh, explosive growth with uh, the recent lockdown, but this is something maybe within the last 45 days. Mm -hmm. What was yeah. happening before then? So, you know, again, long, hard slog, you know, uh, we, we, uh, over the years, we built up a really nice, valuable listing in the Chrome web store. So our product is packaged as a Chrome extension. Okay. So uh, this is so like kind of the free users then that are coming yeah, in and using yeah. it. And um, curious, how, what's your free users at? You mean in terms of percent? In the of Chrome usage? store, yeah. Like, or what's what's the number? Because you know, when you go to the Chrome store, it says like how many users. And, ah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we're at like it says forty thousand plus. Okay. Uh, for so for Crankwheel. Big, yeah. So so it's 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 something like forty three four thousand weekly sort of installed users that we have. Okay. Um, and you know, we started seeing that okay, we're getting a good stream of um, premium signups, both from our own website where we've been investing in, in content marketing over the yeah. years, and also uh, from the and, and and especially from the Chrome Web Store. Yeah, uh, we're getting a lot of free signups, and you know, many of them are, you know, either tire kickers or they are like you know Gmail.com or something like that addresses yeah. where it's you don't know if it's a you don't know if it's a business interest or if somebody's just sort of trying the service or, or yeah. will just stay on the free plan. Yeah. But we started building up like more of a pipeline around the premium users. Okay. Um, the Chrome store. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Try to figure out, you know, which ones are look like they are part of a, a company, you know, or, or wh where are we seeing like multiple yeah. people from the same company signing up? 
-hmm. And sort of, we started building up a pipeline around that sort of uh, um, spending a little more time onboarding freemium users when we see that they are probably part of a, a team at some company. Okay. So it's grow. literally going through um, and analyzing the data. Is that the only yeah. sort of um, entrance into the product that you had at this time or were people able to get it other ways? No, it's, it's, uh, you could get it other ways. Uh, this, this is one side, this is one pipeline that's been working for us for the last okay. few years, um, especially last two years. Um, the other pipeline that's worked for us from the start has been event marketing, like, you know, going okay. to trade shows, that kind of I, thing. That's what I was hearing when you were at uh, SAS yeah. Talk and yeah. and yeah, that's good. It's really those two things. And you know, the, the, the freemium pipeline is more predictable. And, uh -huh. you know, the growth every month is fairly predictable from that, especially nowadays. It, it yeah. wasn't back in 2018, but nowadays it, it is nowadays. fairly predictable. Are you, what, what are you doing? Are you just like, cold, what do you just, once they're in, you, um, you've obviously got their email and you just put them on a drip, drip sort of campaign or what, or what are you, what's there are, your marketing? There are, yeah, there are drip campaigns that you, that everybody gets, you know, even yeah. independent of whether we think they might be a company or not. Uh, uh -huh. There's a drip campaign that everybody gets if they, if they sign up for educational emails, essentially. Yeah. Um, if we think they're a corporate, there's some email outreach that we, that we, you know, try to add on top of that. Okay. Uh, if they are a very large company, we, yes, we try calling. Okay. Um, so you would cold call. Of, so it's really, um, what do you use to analyze the list? Cause you're sorry, you said, um, how many thousand a week? Is it a few thousand a week? Is that right? No, it's about 2,500 new, new users every month in a typical okay. month. Uh, for the last year or so, we've we've seen, been seeing roughly that number uh, growing a little bit and and exploding in March. It was like close to eight thousand. Okay. Um, but uh, we use uh, a solution called Clearbit to uh, to do okay. enrichment based on the email address, so we we can see like uh, the rough size of the company and okay sometimes the person's okay, like good. seniority or title that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so. So yeah, the freemium pipeline that we base around that is one one thing, and it also uh, it also revolves around our pricing model because we price based on usage, but in tiers. So mm -hmm. you know, like our entry level plan is seventy five dollars a month. You can have as many users as you like, but in total, they can do like a hundred meetings. Okay, that's sort of the way we price, and then we have different tiers beyond that. And, uh, you know, uh, according to our terms of use, you only, you should have, you know, each company should have one company account. Okay. So, so you are supposed to have all your team, you know, within one plan. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't, then we, we notice and we help you just, you know, combine those yeah. plans. Um, so that also gives us a, a reason to reach out and say, hey, thank you for using Crankwheel. And we see that you have like seven people using it and, we're, uh, you know, we're putting you all together in a plan. Uh, in a, in one account and yeah. by the way would you like like a customized url for your screen shares you know with your company name in it and you know so it gives us a reason to out reach out but it also means you know if you have more than one person uh together they very quickly run out of the freemium quota so the, the quota is shared by the whole team okay and you know if you're one person it's very often enough for you like it's 15 meetings per month mm -hmm. if that's you know unless you're a a power user 15 meetings per month is very likely enough if you're just one person okay um if you're 10 people it runs out very quickly right so 
So there's right. sort of a, a balance. And then you, then you get into a 30-day free, you know, unlimited trial after it runs out before okay. you have to like, make up your mind. Do you want to okay. pay or do you want 15 to be like your hard limit? Okay. And so that together with the freemium pipeline and, and combining those accounts and reaching out to them, that, that works really well. Um, but yeah, then event marketing has worked really well and, and it's less predictable, but it tends to bring in larger deals. Right. So, so what is, what kind of growth are you getting from the uh, conversions from um, the freemium users? What, what kind of, like how many users are you adding a month? Let, let's use pre Corona and, and what you're getting now. Like, uh, yeah, before, before the, uh, the pandemic, um, we were seeing, you know, um, maybe a dozen, couple of dozen, couple of dozen a month converting the, to maybe the, the lowest plan or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and, and then, uh, and, and your churn, how's your churn? It's extremely low. It is. Um, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, what, it's like, what like, percent, what, like what's low, what number is that? It's it's like one percent something like oh, that, okay, less than one percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean we, we have yeah, it's oh point five percent. Oh that's okay, that's great. Okay, so you're adding a dozen through um through the the uh comb store and then um event marketing. What's that sort of like uh you know, how many events do you see do you go to a year? It's about maybe four events a year, sometimes five. Okay. And it's sort of um, like once a quarter or something, and then you get yeah. maybe like 30 or 40 signups from that. Yeah, it, well, they tend to be fewer but bigger, um, you know. Okay. So, so some of our, our, our largest uh, customers and partners to date have come through that. And okay. a lot of it has been focused around Yellow Pages uh, events. So, you know, once we got sort of traction there, we started just going to most of the industry events that are around local search and Yellow Pages. So. Okay. Those are very specific. They're pretty small, just a few hundred people each event. Sounds like a great event to be. They're probably more affordable and uh, uh, smaller where you're sort of more specialized and you can already say, yeah, we work with Yell and, uh, yeah. you know, the one in the Netherlands. Um, exactly. And, we, we, you know, one of our most important, like our most important partner today is, is Vendasta. It's a Canadian company. Okay. Uh, great, great folks up there. And, and uh, you know, they, they are, um, they are both a user of Crankwheel and they also resell Crankwheel via their own platform. Um, so they are a very important par partner and a, and a big, big factor for growth over the last, over the last couple of years. And, you know, okay. we got to know them through, through these events. So t tell me about how you, ha how you do the events. Do you go in as a keynote speaker or you set up a booth or what's been the most effective for you? So we've, it, it used to be our policy that we wouldn't go unless we had a booth. That, that okay. was our policy up until about maybe a year, year and a half ago. Um, so we'd always try to have a booth. Uh, we would try to get a bargain, you know, <laughs> smallest yeah. booth we could get just, but, but have a booth so that we could just have something be there. Yeah. So, so people could stop yeah. and see, Oh, what yeah. are you guys about? And you can yeah. give a quick demo or and, something. Exactly. And that's still our policy pretty much for everything except the local search yellow pages events. The thing is my, my co-founder Gilsey, he goes to all of those and he's pretty much become a, a rock star at these events. So everybody knows okay. him already. So okay, that's for, great. for those events, it's more about just him being there, maybe giving a short talk. Um, mm -hmm. A couple of, about a year ago, I think he actually, uh, I think it's about a year ago that his short talk was basically him on stage he said we're currently accepting customers and then he played the baby shark video and did the dance 
Oh, really? That, that was it? <laughs> nice. That was it. So he's, but, an, he's uh, an extrovert. You know, everybody knew then. him already. Yeah, everybody yeah. Knew he's him an extrovert. Right. Yeah, yes, he, yes, he very much is an extrovert. And, and he I heard you guys won it. Uh, you won an award at Sastock as well, which is, I imagine, was quite an honor as well, right? It we did, yeah, yeah. So we were at Sastock. We had had uh, one of these, you know, bargain booths, like the uh, absolute yeah. smallest booth you could get just to be able to give demos. And just curious, how much is a booth like that at Sastock? Um, I... I'm not sure. We we, like we two came grand. in. Is it something like two grand or something like it's, that. I think it's a bit more, but these are like uh, normally it would be a bit more. These were like uh, there was like a delegation of Icelandic companies that had okay. five of these. Oh, so you kind of a joint thing. A so you could do get a so, group yeah, rate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you it sounds rate. like you always make your money back though, right? Yes, I, I think we've maybe been to one conference where I we probably didn't but yeah. almost always sometimes you don't see it right away sometimes that's it's right like, there's some long tail you know, i imagine you yeah. make some you make some yeah. you know you start some new relationships or you build existing build on existing relationships and and you see the benefit maybe even six or nine or 12 months later but okay. i only i think there's out of all the events we've been to i only think there's been maybe one where we didn't make our money back and then some okay a so, any other you know, tricks um, that you might tell our listeners about for an event? If they're going to plan on going to an event, what sort of prep do they need to do to get the most out of it? Yeah, I mean, I think before the event, uh, reaching out to people in, in a genuine, you know, non-spammy way is, is, a, is a very to good thing. be like, thing hey, I'm going to the, anyone else <laughs> going to the event, let's try and meet up. Or would you actually set up a, a pre-sales meeting? Or so... A lot of events, we would set up meetings. Like you, okay. you mentioned Sastock, which was back in October. Really, really, really good conference in, in yeah. Dublin. Um, just to give an example, like concrete example for that one. Um, before the event, uh, the, the, you, could, you could get into this like uh, community app where you can chat with folks and everything. Okay. And, um, you know, for that event, we were genuinely interested in learning more about how different SaaS companies do their sales. Okay. Because we, we have cu customers in SaaS, but um, we've, we've also tried like outreach to SaaS companies a couple of times. And yeah. it's really sort of been um, hard for us because uh, we've seen that they are not necessarily in a sales model where Crankwheel is the best fit, but some of them are. Yeah, so yeah, I really so wanted to learn more learn about like what the... Yeah, the uh, common common factors were exactly. So I really wanted to learn more about what their sales model was for different SaaS companies. So I actually reached out to a bunch of folks that I saw that were in sales and they were going to be at the show, you know, and their sales leaders at their companies. Mm -hmm. And and my it wasn't a sales pitch. It was more like, hey, I'd learn to meet up and and just get to know a little bit about how you do sales at your company. Like what what's the model? You know, how do you do them? Uh, I could come to your booth or, or we could meet at the Crankwheel booth or, or just grab a coffee or something. Okay. And, uh, you know, from that, uh, there were probably, you know, maybe 12 or 15 meetings that were set up and okay. a lot of other folks who, who, uh, who said they would come to the booth and obviously some of them didn't, but a yeah. bunch of them did. But you, you think, know? what do you, what, what do you feel like is a good factor to gauge success before you go to the show? Should you have 10, what do you, would you try and get 10 meetings at least? And then you feel yeah. like, okay, this is probably going to be good. And obviously there's follow-up after, right. uh, you know, when you, you try and collect business cards or something mm -hmm. like that and follow up with people. Absolutely. So if, if they're interested in the product, we typically, um, and, and I think this is a good thing to do for, for uh, most companies, if you have some kind of a free trial, <clears> is, yeah. 
while they're there, you know, don't, don't go for the, okay, I'll follow up with you type of thing. While they're there, actually sign them up for your free trial. Okay, that's good. Actually help them get signed up yeah. if they're interested. If they're not interested, of course. You and there's no credit card, right? There's no credit right, card exactly. needed, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, okay. And then they're in and they're like, hey, then you can like, it's kind of like a, a more of a yeah. reminder. That's, that's good. And then your follow-up is instead of being like, oh, hey, you remember this random yeah, thing that yeah. you saw at the yeah. show? Uh, can I sign you up for our trial? You know, would you yeah. like to sign up for the trial? It's more about, hey, uh, you remember it's when you spoke to us? It's more onboarding than, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's onboarding, yeah. exactly. Then yeah. you say, hey, well, you know, you, you wanted, to, wanted to sign up for the trial and I noticed that you haven't tried it yet. You know, do you need any help? Would you like yeah. uh, another demo? We can arrange that, you know. And the hit rate for that is fairly high. It's it's a lot higher than cold calling. For, yeah, for sure, of course, you know. yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Uh, we're getting close to the top of the hour. I, I just want to thank you for your time. Um, what, uh, what are your plans for the future? What, what do you think is the next phase for you uh, for Crank Wheel? Uh, well, we're growing a lot over this last month uh, after the pandemic because a lot of people are doing remote Working sales. Working from home, yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you know, so our revenues have really increased and we've been, we've been super busy. Uh, at the same time, I want to make sure that we are fine, even if the pandemic really, really stretches out, which I, I hope it doesn't. I mean, I hope it doesn't like stop right. the economy for, course, for more than a few months. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, we're growing cautiously. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll you're probably, trying to keep some cash in, in the bank. Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But, okay. you know, we're, we are, we are adding right now in terms of like operations, um, and in terms of a little more power on the product development side, just to make sure that we are able to continue delivering a better product. Uh, but we have cut some costs uh, around, you know, sales and marketing recently. Yeah. Uh, just to just to be be prepared, and also because we're seeing this, you know, huge influx of demand now. Um, so just keeping up with that is is good. Yeah. Good. Now. Okay. Good. I, I know we're we're getting close to the time where where you need to jump off. So I want to thank you for your time. Uh, anything that you'd like to leave our users that they can go to Crankwheel? How can they find you if they want to reach you? Yeah, it's uh, www.crankwheel.com. Okay. You can How about Twitter? Free, where where so. do you like? If someone wants to personally reach out to you, where can yeah, they reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, it's Crankwheel on all of those. Okay, good. Um, LinkedIn, I'm Joey Sigurdsson, and my handle on LinkedIn is Joey Sig, J-O-I-S-I-G. So you can okay. reach out to me personally there. Perfect. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Jordy. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner. <laughs>